This week's Parsha, Parsha's Boy, is uh, the actual Parsha where we leave Mitzrayim, we have the Exodus, Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, um, but which is preceded by the last three of the Makkas, the last three of the plagues. Um, of course, Hashem visits ten plagues on the Egyptians, seven of them were in last week's Parsha, the final three were in, are in this week's Parsha, culminating with the death of the firstborn, which immediately leads to the actual Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, the exodus of Mitzrayim. I want to focus on one of the plagues, and that is plague number nine, which is Cheshach, which is darkness. Um, Hashem strikes Mitzrayim um, with darkness, a very powerful darkness, an immobilizing darkness. But then the Pasuk says that although um, Egypt is engulfed in this darkness, that for all the Jewish people, there was light in the places where they lived. So that although all of the plagues affected only the Egyptians, not the Jewish people, which is obvious because they were there to plague the Egyptians and punish the Egyptians, not the Jewish people, but nevertheless, the only one where we have this Pasuk that makes this clear distinction, that for the Jewish people, the, the plague was totally ineffective and there was light for them. Um, so that says specifically by this plague. Um, and Chazal tell us that there really is a double miracle when talking about this special light that was for the Jewish people even during the plague of darkness. One is that, you know, simply where they lived in, in Goshen, which was the primary place of uh, where Jewish people lived. So there was no darkness. There, there was light, as if there was a spotlight shining down from heaven on those areas where Klal Yisrael lived. But then something even more interesting, and that is, Chazal tell us that... The Jews were promised when they would leave Mitzrayim that they wouldn't leave empty-handed. After 210 years of intense slavery and bondage, they would leave with Rechush Godel, with all the riches and spoils of Mitzrayim, of Egypt. And the reason for that is really a double reason. On a simple level, it's a payment, reward. Here we have a slave nation serving for, again, over 200 years in slavery, an entire nation. They deserve payment um, for all the work that they did. Um, and that's one reason. And the other deeper, more Kabbalistic reason is that the concept of taking the spoils of Egypt is the idea of elevating and uh, uh, eliciting or elevating all of the divine sparks that there are in negative places. Um, a general concept in Kabbalah and Hasidus that I don't want to go into now is that in this world there are sparks of divinity, sparks of Hashem in all areas of this world. And through our involvement in the world and the worldly and using it, L'shem Shemayim, using it for spiritual purposes and for good purposes, we elevate the divine sparks that there are scattered throughout this world. And therefore, Egypt, which was a place of, uh, of immorality, of decadence, of impurity, unholiness, um, had a tremendous amount of divine sparks within it. And when we were able to take those spoils from Egypt with us and bring them with us to the giving of Tehran, to the building of the Mishkan, so in that way we were able to elevate the divine sparks that were in the wealth of Mitzrayim, of Egypt. So those are the basic two reasons why Kalal Yisrael had to take with them the spoils of Egypt. Again, one is for basic payment and reward purposes, and the other is for the elevation of the divine sparks that there are in Egypt. Either way, whatever the reason why we had to get that wealth, the fact is that that wealth was promised to the Jewish people already back in the time of Avram Avinu when Hashem tells him that your descendants are going to be um, slaves in Egypt. He says, and when they will leave, they will leave with that rechush gadol, with that 
with that great wealth that they take from Mitzrayim. Now, here is what the, so our sages tell us, that during that plague of darkness, when the Egyptians were stricken with this miraculous darkness, and the Jewish people had light, that light actually accompanied uh, the Jews, and they would go into the homes of the Egyptians and find their hidden wealth. And they didn't take it, but they found it and knew where it was, so that later when the Jews left Egypt, and they came to the Egyptians and said, we need this wealth, we need your uh, the, the wealth and the different things that you have as we leave here. And the Egyptians said, well, we don't have it. They said, what do you mean you don't have it? We saw it in your homes. We saw it during that plague of darkness. Because the divine light that shone for the Jewish people actually came with them when they went into the homes of the Egyptians and helped them find those uh, that wealth and those spoils that was meant for the Jewish people to take out of Mitzrayim. So, in summation, this passage that says that for the Jewish people there was light during the plague of darkness is referring to the basic light that they had in their own homes and dwelling places and referring also to the light that accompanied them as they would go into the homes of the Egyptians to find that hidden wealth. That is what the passage means when it says that there was light for the Jewish people during this plague of darkness. And as the Rebbe teaches us, and as we've spoken many times, all of these stories and ideas that happened thousands of years ago are meant also um, to be a lesson for us and teachings for us in our present uh, situation, in our present day and age, and especially when talking about the stories that happen at the end of our exile in Egypt, just before redemption, that make them all the more um, applicable to our present situation, where we are also in the end of a very lengthy exile in Golos, before the redemption with the coming of Mashiach, speedily emir Hashem. So what is the idea of this darkness and this divine, miraculous light that shone for the Jewish people even when the country, the nation was engulfed in darkness and even when they went into their homes to find that wealth, says the Rebbe. Darkness is not only a physical thing, but darkness really represents a lack of light, a lack of clarity, a lack of... Um, where things are illuminated, we, where we know what's what. Um, light is created by Hashem. This world on its own is a place where there is so much lack of clarity. What am I doing here? What's my purpose? What should I do? What's right and what's wrong? Why do things happen? How do they happen? Um, and so on. So many questions and doubts and uh, lacks, a lack of clarity that really engulfs us constantly. And Hashem gives us the Torah, which Torah is called Torah Oir, the Torah of light. The Torah is the light, is the illumination that illuminates to us what's right and what's wrong. What's our mission in this world? What's the purpose? Where are we going? And how to perceive the, the various things that happen to us that, some, that many times look like just a big jumble of, of, just, um, of events. How to make clarity, how to make sense of this world. Hashem gives us His Torah to give us that Oir. And therefore, the, the basic message here is that even if the world around us might be engulfed in darkness, even if there's so much lack of clarity and, 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 and lack of illumination of what's going on and what should be done and what's right and what's wrong, a Yid who holds strong with the Torah and learns the Torah and listens to his messages is able to live a life engulfed in light even when the homes all around him and the house and the places around him and the society around him might be full of darkness and might be full of lack of clarity. And that's the first idea. 
It's still Golos. It's still exile. We, Mashiach has not come yet. The exodus of Egypt had not happened yet. It was the middle of the plague of darkness. And at the same time, for Klal Yisrael, there was light, there was clarity and illumination. But that goes one step further. One might think, okay, I have clarity when I'm studying Torah. I have clarity when I'm in the shul, when I'm in a place of holiness, when I'm doing an act of holiness. But what about when I'm involved with all the mundane things that go on in the world, my workplace and the thing, all the things that I do, which every human being does that are not godly and not holy? Can I have light? Can I have clarity even there? And that's where we come to the second part of the story. That the light that engulfed the Jewish people wasn't only when they were in their own homes, when they were in their own cities and their own towns. Even when they had to be in the homes of the Egyptians, even when they were involved in that avoda, as we said, in that service of eliciting the sparks of godliness that are buried in the homes of the Egyptians. In our world, that means even when we are in the workplace, even when we are involved in all the various different activities and social activities that we're involved in that are not seemingly divine and spiritual, essentially. Nevertheless, through Torah, and through connection, and through connection to Torah, and mitzvahs, and to Hashem, one is able to have the true light, and the true illumination, and true clarity afforded by Torah, even when we are involved in the world around us. Wherever we are, one can be engulfed in the light and clarity of Torah and Kedusha, and whatever one does, can, whether it's spiritual activities, or social activities, or mundane activities can all be part of that light, part of that clarity, understanding that it's all to lead to that uh, that point of time of total gul, of total redemption that happens at the end of Golos, with the coming of Mashiach, may it be speedily in our time. Have a wonderful Shabbos.